Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, a Tennessee teen committed suicide after being outed by fellow students. The Trump administration tried to wipe out Rainbow Pride crosswalks. A suspect has been arrested in a brutal crime in Florida where a gay man was tied to a minivan and dragged for blocks. And a collegiate swimmer says he was kicked off Stanford's swim team for being openly gay. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. Channing Smith, a high school junior in Manchester, Tennessee, committed suicide last week after another student posted private text messages between Smith and another boy, resulting in outing the teen as bisexual, reports BuzzFeed News. Smith had apparently kept his attraction for other boys a secret, but an argument with another teenager who was close to the boy he'd been messaging became upset that she, quote, didn't know about the sexting, and posted the screenshots to be vindictive, according to Keeley Duty, a fellow student at Smith School. According to Keeley, she was just doing it to be mean. Smith had been dating 17-year-old Haley Meester for a month prior to his suicide. She shared that he didn't deserve that. He was kind and loving and a very good person. Meester added that Smith told her when the screen captures were shared on social media, quote, how bad it made him feel, and it was a mistake. She also says that Smith was trying to find himself and hadn't explicitly identified as bisexual before his death. His older brother, 38-year-old Joshua Smith, says the nature of the text messages were explicit to the point that, quote, there was no room for Channing to be able to claim it was a misunderstanding. Said Joshua, when he saw the screenshots on social media, he called some people around 10 p.m. Sunday night, freaking out. His last posting on Instagram was about people he couldn't trust. Smith's body was found by his father at around 4 a.m. The father had noticed the light on in his room and went in to check on him. According to Joshua, the father is still in shock. The older brother explained that in their small southern town, To be labeled gay, queer, or a sissy would be devastating for a high school junior. The local Fox affiliate reports that Channing called the female classmate who posted the private messages and told her he was going to kill himself. According to Joshua, she didn't reach out to Channing's family or to any suicide prevention hotline. A complication in the case comes as the family feels Coffee County District Attorney Craig Northcutt isn't being appropriately proactive in investigating the cyberbullying Channing experienced by fellow students. Joshua told BuzzFeed News that investigators spent only a day on the case and didn't confiscate the kids' phones, saying they didn't have the technology to bypass the passcodes. Northcutt, you may recall, was in the news back in June when statements he made in a 2018 video surfaced showing he disagreed with the U.S. Supreme Court's 2015 Obergefell ruling, which made same-sex marriage legal in the United States. 
At the time, he shared that he doesn't prosecute domestic violence cases involving LGBTQ people because he doesn't believe marriage exists between those couples. In a statement regarding the Smith case, Northcutt said that while he can't comment on an open investigation, he said allegations that his office had failed to act are inaccurate, as the investigation has not been completed. Family and friends are also critical of Channing's high school for not making a public statement about his death or to condemn bullying. Old brother Joshua said they haven't made any mention about him or his death on their website, on Facebook, anywhere. They haven't offered counseling to the kids or gathered them to talk about anti-bullying. When Channing's friends attempted to make a statement wearing t-shirts asking for, quote, justice for Channing, the principal demanded they remove the shirts. Said Keeley, we refused. Not only me, but his close friends and people who loved him stood during the assembly holding our posters. We believe the school refused to do anything because what happened to Channing involved gay rights. Please note, if you or someone you know is having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 273 I'll also have the contact information in the show notes. When the Trump administration wrote to the city of Ames, Iowa, instructing the town to remove its rainbow-themed crosswalks, the Ames City Council said, thank you, but no. Located at the intersection of 5th Street and Douglas Avenue, the city had installed the rainbow crosswalks as a sign of LGBTQ inclusion for the city. This year's Ames Pride Fest was held at the intersection on September 7th. Two of the crosswalks use the colors of the inclusive pride flag, which adds black and brown to the traditional rainbow flag designed by Gilbert Baker in the 1970s. Another utilizes the colors of the transgender pride flag, blue, pink, and white, and the fourth features purple, yellow, black, and white, representing gender non-binary pride. The Ames Tribune reports that on September 5th, the Federal Highway Administration, FHWA, sent the city a letter saying the crosswalks could, quote, compromise pedestrian and motorist safety by interfering with, distracting from, or obscuring official traffic control devices. Mark Lambert, city attorney for Ames, penned a memo to the mayor and city council saying the FHWA has no jurisdiction over the streets where the crosswalks are installed since they are not part of a federal highway. And... Ames receives no federal funds for their upkeep. Lambert's interpretation of the law was that the state of Iowa should decide whether the federal standards should apply to city streets. In his memo, Lambert wrote, With the system of federalism in the United States, the federal government does not have jurisdiction over everything. Lambert also noted that the FHWA's letter didn't threaten any penalties regarding the crosswalks and had only requested the removal of the crosswalks. During a meeting of the Ames City Council, members discussed the issue and decided no action would be taken. City Council member Chris Nelson said during the discussion, Can we just accept the letter and say thank you? One resident even pointed out that the FHWA had gotten its own rules wrong. According to the Ames Tribune, resident Bill Diesling said, the crosswalk lines are white pavement markings. 
that identify the crosswalks. The rainbow crossing in Ames has white lines demarcating the walkway, so it's consistent with federal recommendations. By the way, rainbow crosswalks have been a fixture in the United States for years. From West Hollywood, which installed colorful walkways in 2012, to San Francisco's The Castro, which celebrated pride with the rainbow crosswalks in 2014. Philadelphia, Seattle, Key West, and more have all embraced the rainbow. According to News 4 Jax in Jacksonville, Florida, police have arrested a suspect in a brutal crime where a person was severely beaten, then tied to the bumper of a minivan and dragged through the streets for over two blocks last week. Police say the victim was left unconscious in the street after the rope tying him to the car was cut. The victim was taken to a nearby hospital with life-threatening injuries. According to the doctors, the victim has not regained consciousness due to immense swelling in the brain. There is surveillance video of the incident, but police say it is so horrendous, that's their quote, that it can't be released due to the graphic nature of the attack and injuries. The Jacksonville Sheriff's Office says 34-year-old Eric Bridges, an ex-convict, has been charged with attempted murder. He remains in jail while being held on $500,000 bail. The victim, initially reported as possibly transgender, is now being identified as a gay male. The name of the victim has been withheld by the family. No other details as to what spurred the incident have been revealed as yet. Abram Devine, a 23-year-old collegiate swimmer, says he was kicked off of the Stanford University swim team due to, quote, systematic homophobia. But he stopped short of explaining what exactly happened. Devine is a member of the U.S. men's national swim team and was an NCAA champion at Stanford. He came out as gay in a 2018 interview with Swimming World magazine. In an Instagram post published this week, Devine wrote, I'm an openly gay swimmer and I'm the only one at my level. While I have many specific examples of microaggressions and outright aggressions that I've experienced, homophobia is ultimately much more than an accumulation of experiences. In fact, it is a denial of experience. While I feel like I tried to convey this to many people, many of whom deny any possibility that they could contribute to it, I've started to ask myself, why is it my job to educate coaches and athletes at the most resourceful university in the world? He goes on to write that while pointing out his experiences with homophobia to others, he has witnessed so much fragility to obscure my humanity and character, so much rhetoric to keep me silent. He added, everyone says they support me, and yet, for the millionth time, I'm the only one speaking up. He then rhetorically asks, how his LGBTQ supportive coaches and teammates cannot see how Stanford Swim has treated me and used me over the last four years. The coaching staff issued a brief statement which read, It is truly unfortunate Abe feels this way. That said, Abe wasn't invited back to train with us this fall as a postgraduate for reasons entirely unrelated to his sexuality. We take pride in the inclusivity and supportiveness that exists on both our men's and women's teams, but we continue to strive, as always, to improve those aspects of our culture. I've contacted Stanford inquiring what, if not his sexuality, was the reason Abe was not invited back. I haven't heard back from the school at this time.
Luca Trapanese has always wanted to be a father, but as a gay single man living in Italy, the laws regarding adoption are very stringent. Married heterosexual couples between the ages of 18 and 45 are the primary candidates to adopt, although single parents may apply under certain circumstances. Luca shared with the BBC, quote, They told me they would only give me children with illnesses, severe disabilities, or behavioral problems. And along came Alba. Alba was only 30 days old and had been rejected by 20 families, including her biological mother, because she had Down syndrome. But Luca, who's volunteered and worked with disabled people since he was a teen, didn't hesitate. After receiving a call about the infant, he rushed to the hospital to sign the adoption papers. He told the BBC, When I held her in my arms, I was filled with joy. I felt that she was my daughter right away. I knew I was ready to be her father. Being gay, single, and Catholic, Luca feels he's challenging the stereotypes regarding fatherhood and traditional families. Like all children, she loves to play and dance around the house, explore new places like parks and museums, and go to work with her dad. Luca shares that she can be stubborn at times, but that's life with the toddler. Says Luca, She brought me happiness and a sense of fulfillment. I'm proud to be her father. I'll spend the rest of my life with the child that I love, and we'll do so many amazing things together. Fortunately, Luca likes to share his life with Alba on Instagram. Head over to therandyreport.com to check out some of the photos of the awesome dad and daughter duo. Out singer-songwriter Tom Goss's new music video, La Bufadora, features Goss and actor Daniel Franzese from Mean Girls and HBO's Looking as a couple in crisis in Mexico. Technically, La Bufadora is a blowhole just south of Ensenada, Mexico. Goss shares that the song was written, quote, after a tension-filled weekend in Mexico with my husband. I couldn't help but notice the similarities between La Bufadora exploding in the middle of the serene ocean and our emotions constantly bubbling and ready to explode just under the surface. In the music video, Goss and Franzis are vacationing in Mexico, but tensions build to a physical conflict. Goss recently told HuffPost, As humans, we can be so volatile or wounded at the drop of a hat. Sometimes it's a choice we make. Sometimes it is the deep-seated triggers that live within our bodies and minds. Just like La Bufadora, we ebb and flow, rest and explode. As the video puts a spotlight on domestic violence, HuffPost notes that recent research by the National Center for Injury Prevention and Control found that 26% of gay men and 37% of bisexual men have experienced rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime. For lesbian and bisexual women, those rates are 43% and 61%, respectively. Goss says proceeds from the music video, which you can watch on therandyreport.com, will be donated to help support the National Domestic Violence Hotline and the Los Angeles LGBT Center's Intimate Partner Domestic Violence Outreach. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share The Randy Report with friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, 
only shorter. And remember you can find me every single day online at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. I'll close this episode with Tom Goss's new single, La Bufadora. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. He's a real great guy. A special man. An honest bloke. Still, I hate him. La Bufadora La Bufadora explodes La Bufadora takes It takes its you speak for me La Bufadora La Bufadora explodes